Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. Hard to believe it is already the month of May. It is May 2nd. I'm excited to be bringing you the show today, and it'll be interesting this week. I am in Washington, D.C. This is the week for the National Association of Farm Broadcasters annual Washington Watch. A lot of farm broadcasters from around the country have gathered here to get caught up on things that are developing here in D.C., and I'll be bringing those interviews throughout the week. But today we are going to be having our traditional Monday morning show. We're going to talk markets here in just a minute with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. Then in segment two, John Baranek of DTN Weather will be joining us. Planting is trying to get geared up in a lot of places across the country. John, let us know if maybe this is the week we see a little break in the weather here for some folks. And get some tractors rolling. Segment three, Jackie Fatka from Farm Progress will be joining us. We're going to talk about some of the things that are developing here in Washington, D.C. Last week was a very busy week on Capitol Hill and at the White House. Jack, you'll have some updates, and we are excited to be bringing all of this out today. But as I mentioned first, we're going to talk markets. Joining us is Dwayne Bussey, Bolt Marketing up there in Britain, South Dakota. And Dwayne, I understand over the past couple of days, you guys have had some rainfall up your direction. Yeah, we sure have throughout the Dakotas, um, e- even the far southeast part of the state where they actually really needed it. We got some extreme dry areas there. They got a nice inch, and that's the one area that got going planting. The rest of South Dakota, North Dakota, nothing happening yet, and it looks like a really slow week after, boy, two to four inches of rain fell in a lot, large part of the Dakotas. Yeah, big rainfall. I saw that really uh, juiced up your average rainfall totals for the month of April. Big reversal from the way too dry situation in the Dakotas to the now too wet. Dwayne, a lot of market analysts are going to be watching for crop conditions and planting progress to be reported later this afternoon. What are you expecting to see on that report? Well, I know the trade's talking up to 17 to 20% of the nation's corn has been planted, but just doing a little crop tour this morning I did with a few other brokers, I, I think it's going to be lower than that. There was definitely some progress made, but I'm looking for more like 14 to 15% planted, and that's going to put us, gosh, about 15% behind normal. And that's not the problem. The problem is the wet forecast for the nation's midsection this week. I, boy, everyone I talked to this morning made it sound like there wasn't going to be much, much progress this week. So by next Monday, it could be getting a little, little dangerous. But all that being said, the market doesn't seem to care too much about that. You know, the funds might be playing the seasonals here more than anything that are, you know, if you, you sell new crop corn in the first two weeks in May, in general, it's usually a pretty good price. And, and it seems like maybe the funds are just starting to get out of some long positions here. Well, I mean, that's certainly the situation that looks like is developing on the board today. We've got corn down 10 to 12 cents, beans off 30 to 12, 20 to 30 cents, old crop to new crop to old crop, wheat also um, mixed on the day. Dwayne, as you mentioned, this is that seasonal time frame. What news event, do you see anything on the horizon that could change this tone, this sell in May and go away tone here in the commodities? Well, you know, I guess I'm trying to hold here today and not do any panic selling or panic hedging. I'd like to see, you know, if that crop progress report this afternoon comes out lower than estimated like I did, you might have a rebound tomorrow right away again. But it just, it's starting to feel like the funds are just getting tired of the old bullish stories. You know, last week, the war in Ukraine intensified and happened in areas where Russia's not going to allow Ukraine to export any of their wheat. In fact, there's a lot of articles that they're stealing a lot of their, their crop as well. So I, that should have given us enough reason to really rally higher. I know we made new highs in corn, but it just the market just feels a little tired to me. And I, I'm kind of big on watching the trade action. It's definitely time to let the old crop go. And uh, probably by tomorrow, if we don't see a nice rally back, it's probably time to get some new crop hedges on in place, at least for a while here. Would you be hedging both your new crop corn and your new crop beans if you don't see the the wind come back into the sales here on this market? I'd say the new crop corn first. I'm 
but, but I have no problem with anyone selling beans up at these prices either. Obviously, they're, they're great prices if you're going to look at a spreadsheet. But do the corn first. The, on the bean side, I guess, I'm just a little bit more friendly that I'm afraid there will be some acre shift actually to corn away from beans. I know everyone thinks when we get cold and wet that we're going to have less corn acres. But if you've got a lot of that fertilizer booked, there's a good chance you're going to plant that corn later maybe. And maybe it's the beans that get short, especially like in a an area like North Dakota where it's so wet here over the last month. But, you know, time will tell. We've got a couple months to trade that news, that's for sure. We certainly do, and that planting will be making progress at some point here in the next couple of weeks. Dwayne, while we've got you, I want to turn our focus over to the livestock market, specifically the cattle complex. We are seeing a little bit of a rally today here in cattle. Where do you see this market running from here? It seems like last week was a lot of long liquidation, but I was surprised we didn't see that in the commitment traders report. We always got to remember that's as of Tuesday afternoon. So we had a few other trading days last week. You know, I, June getting down to that 132 area, that that's probably going to be pretty good support. When you consider the cash market, still fairly strong. You know, between gosh, or I'll, let's just say about 142 to 147 in some areas in the north for the heavier steers. So June should catch a bottom here this week and rally back at least say a 50% retracement type thing. But overall, what I learned last week is that the funds just are not excited about this market either. You know, I, I think they look at the stock market and look at that as possible a pullback. You know, gosh, the Nasdaq is in a in a bear technical position right now. So I think it's it's tough to get those fund investors to buy into the cattle market or the hogs here. Evidently, man, the hogs are having another tough day this morning. Well, while you bring up hogs, Dwayne, let's turn our focus over there because that market has been highing, fl- flying high rather for a very extended period of time. And even though prices are coming down, we're still on most of the contracts north of $100. Dwayne, where do you anticipate hogs going here in the short term and then look out a little longer term into the summer? Yeah, I think what we're having here is, you know, last week and you know, Friday and today, we, we're getting that get me out no matter what. I don't care what the price is. I don't care what the fundamentals are. This is a bad technical market now. Get me the heck out, I, which makes me want to catch that falling knife. But the, 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 the better trader will tell you, don't, don't try to catch that falling knife. Let it hit the floor first. And then once it starts rallying back up, we can buy it. But I, I think we've got to be really close to that point, Mike, with, with June below 104 right now. I mean, you got the index down around 102, so we're getting, we had this huge premium in the futures market to cash. Now we're reverting that around and taking it all away in a heartbeat here. So, about like cattle, the, the livestock complex should find some support early this week and try to rally back. I don't know if I'm going to say I'm a big bull in those markets, but look for them to find a bottom early this week. As you're thinking about that hog market, Dwayne, China has been one of the major movers in that space, particularly since African swine fever hit them. Do you have any updates on their domestic hog industry? Are they still working to rebuild it? Uh, Yeah, they did a heck of a job rebuilding it, actually. The first quarter of this year, their hog production was up 14%. So, yeah, they they rebuilt it and that also tells me that their feed demands got to be higher usda and word out of china they keep making it sound like they don't need our soybeans they don't need our corn but i think they do and that's where the strong demand keeps coming from back on the grains that's a good thing about the grains is we really didn't ration any demand at these higher prices so i'm not saying we're going to just fall out of bed here but we just got to remember if if the funds are long and they want out the market will go down Lots of good insight there from Dwayne Bussey at Bolt Marketing in Britain, South Dakota. Dwayne, thanks as always for joining us on the show. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. And folks, stick with us when AOA returns. John Baranek of DTN Weather will be with us. We're going to talk about those big rains across the plains and what to expect later on this week. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you. And we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me. You don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. University trials and grower use proves that adding tough 5EC to the post-tank mix significantly improves the control of resistant weeds such as Palmer amaranth, water hemp, and kochia. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide that synergizes with HPPD inhibitors and enhances atrazine with fast results. Tough 5EC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. We talked weather quite a little bit there in segment one with Dwayne Bussey. Of course, this time of year as those farmers and their planting tractors are champing at the bit to get into the field, the weather has an outsized impact. Joining us today to help make a little bit more sense of this ongoing weather concern is DTN weather meteorologist John Baranek. John, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on today, Mike. Appreciate that. You know, before we look out to this week ahead, John, let's do a quick recap of last week. Dwayne up there in South Dakota mentioned there were substantial uh, rainfall events over the Central Plains from Friday through yesterday. Bring us up to speed. Who got what here over the weekend? Yeah, we saw a a pretty big system here wrap up and uh, really produce some heavy precipitation from basically central, uh, north central Nebraska up through eastern North Dakota. That whole area there saw about one to three inches of rain, and there were pockets in uh, north central Nebraska and South Dakota that saw over three inches in that. Uh, across the rest of the, the Midwest, really, from the, uh, Minnesota to Missouri and points eastward, is a lot more scattered, a little more consistent in Minnesota than other, other areas there. Uh, and we saw, you know, kind of on the order of, of a half inch to, to maybe two inches in some spots. Um, but then as you go kind of through the plains here, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and into Missouri, we were dealing with thunderstorms. And, you know, where they hit, they hit pretty hard. Um, some areas there in Kansas, Missouri, um, Texas Panhandle even, uh, got over two inches of rainfall with some of the thunderstorms that moved through. And a little bit of severe weather as well, especially yesterday across western Texas. We saw lots of uh, large hail reports uh, that came out of those. Those, unfortunately, were kind of streaky in terms of precipitation, so not a whole lot of areas picked up of needed rainfall for those drought areas down there, but uh, those areas that did get hit got hit pretty hard. 
Yeah, they did. It's certainly true about the rainfall there across the plains. Big amounts came down in a hurry, and those tornadoes there in Kansas, really a de devastating situation for those growers. John, let's talk about what that system is developing into as that rain has pushed its way eastward. Looking at the start of this week, what do you anticipate? Yeah, so right now, um, yep, that system that kind of uh, brought the, the, the rainfall to West Texas and, and Southwest Kansas now is it's kind of wrapping its way up. It's, it's producing some showers here across much of Nebraska and then through eastern Kansas, Oklahoma, and into Arkansas. And all that's just going to be kind of filling in throughout the rest of the day. Um, we'll see some more severe weather likely uh, again today. Actually, each day this week is likely to have severe weather um, across uh, some portion of the country is we're going to stay active all week, but this system here uh, itself is going to, you know, kind of expand across uh, Nebraska, Iowa, point southward today, and then kind of move into um, the rest of the eastern Midwest, kind of between the Ohio River northward and the Great Lakes uh, for tomorrow. Might see some isolated showers and thunderstorms across kind of the Delta region and southeast at times, but this this system here is basically going to be from the central plains, central southern plains up through the eastern Midwest. Uh, the Dakotas and Minnesota are going to miss out on this one. Then we're going to have another system here uh, Wednesday through through uh, Friday and Saturday that's going to kind of do this, follow the same sort of path. Um, it'll be kind of moving right through the central southern plains. Well, should expect some severe weather out of that again here in the plains, and then uh, move its way into the Midwest, and, and again with more moderate to heavy precipitation likely. So keeping soils pretty wet out there. John, that, that two to three inches that fell this past weekend in the Texas Panhandle, plus these storm events that could be coming up ahead, are are they dropping enough rain to actually make an impact on the drought down there in that southern plains? If you're lucky enough to get hit by them, they are. Unfortunately, like uh, the stuff that went through on Sunday, the ones that come through on uh, Wednesday and Thursday out there, probably going to do the same thing. So uh, unless you're hit with it directly, you're probably not going to see much benefit at all. And, and the, the folks that do get hit are going to be few and far between. All right. All right. More frustration ahead for those folks down there just hoping for a little something to get the grass to dry up and those crops to grow. John, the Eastern Corn Belt farmers over there have been stymied by this wet, cold start to spring. Looking out, you mentioned the weather event coming through tomorrow in that region. When do you expect to see some dry time occur there for our friends in the Eastern Corn Belt? Yeah, so through Saturday, nothing looks really good. Um, but fortunately, after that, uh, we're going to get a nice ridge of high pressure developing across the eastern half of the country going into next week. Put a block on the pattern for a little bit, and uh, probably we'll, we'll definitely get the temperatures to increase uh, for next week and likely having some uh, dryness uh, develop out there too. So we may get some better windows next week. I should mention, though, that there is going to be a trough of low pressure on the western half of the country here this weekend, and then it's going to go through the plains and into the Midwest here next week. Models don't exactly know how far east they want to push that trough. So um, right now it's looking like if you're west of the Mississippi River, you got the better chances for the rainfall next week. If you're east of the Mississippi River, less so. Um, but, you know, that, that could change over the coming days. That's, you know, uh, you know, seven to 10 days out, and those forecasts can change. John, several commenters are starting to grow concerned about the possibility of a drought developing across the central Midwest as we get into the summer of 2022. As you watch La Nina and you watch the patterns that are developing right now, is that a concern you share? Uh, it is, and it's one that we've been kind of talking about at DTN for the last several months. We've been looking at the, the summer pattern um, kind of years that look a lot like uh, the one we're in now and uh, take a look how those kind of developed over the summer and what we see is a lot of hot and dry conditions across the summer. So seeing, you know, really wet conditions during the spring turn into a, kind of a flash drought situation here this summer is not something that folks really like to see, but uh, it's something that I think uh, it has a pretty high likelihood. Um, so, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be everywhere. It's probably when that happens, it's going to be spotty where it occurs, but it could be intense. So, you know, we saw that kind of, I think it was uh, 2020 in, in Western Iowa before that duration went through. We saw flash drought kind of develop there, even though they had a really good spring. And, you know, that, that, that kind of thing can just pop up out of anywhere in uh, kind of North Central U.S.
John, the factors that you're watching as you try to put together this kind of a long-range forecast, other than La Nina, what are some of the other uh, things that are coming together right now to raise that risk of a drought? Right. So it's not just the ocean temperatures in the Central Pacific that we look at, but we also look at the ones that are in um, the, the North Pacific and also in the Atlantic, because those all have a tendency to uh, uh, influence the upper-level pattern. And so we're, we're, we're seeing uh, warmer temperatures across the, the North Pacific, and that kind of extends ridges a little bit further north than we would typically see uh, during the summertime. So it uh, kind of leads us into where those ridges set up. They tend to be hotter and drier than normal uh, in that case. Um, and if you know, we look a, a little bit at the Atlantic because it, it could set up some blocks in the pattern. Um, not, I don't know if anybody's really interested in, in, in uh, the overall part, and I don't understand it as much as some of my colleagues do who, who mentioned this, but, um, you know, it's not just the ocean, it's not just La Nina um, and that, those ocean temperatures. It's ocean temperatures really all over the world that impact all of our weather, so it's a, it's a big puzzle to put together. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of moving parts and pieces that go into putting a forecast together. John, you mentioned it's tough to forecast who would feel the brunt of it if a drought were to develop. But would your bias be the continued focus there on the Southern Plains? Yeah, I don't really see anything. You know, we're, we're, we're in a little wetter, wetter pattern here this week, which is nice for some of those folks to get some rainfall. But that might, um, you know, that might be kind of it for it, um, you know, we we had you know some better precipitation down there in uh, in March. It was kind of brief. Uh, that was followed by some drier weather. We're going to get another situation here where we got some better conditions um, for at least the next week. Um, but again, I, I think that is followed by drier weather again. So yeah, the southern plains definitely, uh, and La Nina is a big influence on that too. Uh, just really promotes dryness and heat across the southern plains. But I would expect that to develop back up into the Northern Plains too. We've seen a lot of drought reduction in uh, the Northern Plains uh, this spring. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm concerned that you know, that drought starts popping right back in uh, come summertime. Farther east you go, I think the risk for that is a little bit less, um, but it could happen anywhere. It could happen anywhere. It looks like 2022 is going to be another year of volatility and variability, and weather will no doubt be a part of that. John Baranek of DTN Weather, thanks as always for coming on the show and for sharing your insights. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. Good, good to be on with you. And folks, stick with us when we return after this break. We're going to be speaking with Jackie Fatka. She's the policy editor there at Farm Progress Companies, and she has been keeping track of events developing in Washington, D.C. She'll give us the full rundown when she joins us here after the break. Stay with us on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, Farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm Radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet. The VIX is trading at nearly eight-week highs this morning, near 35, as traders brace for Wednesday's Fed statement. Dollar index is also trading higher, near 103.4, although that is still just below last week's 19-year high. 
Spring planting continues in Ukraine with many farmers wearing protective armor as they drive their tractors. Ukraine government reports that farmers had planted spring crops on 4.395 million hectares as of Thursday, which is 26% of last year's figure, including just over 2 million hectares planted to spring grains, which is 27.8% of last year's total. Spring wheat planted area totaled 176,000 hectares, which was 92% of year-ago levels, while spring barley totaled 838,000 hectares, That is just 60% of last year's level. However, it is some worse news for corn. They say just 775,000 hectares of corn has been planted, which is only 14% of what was planted last year at this time. Sunflowers, they've got 1.369,000 hectares planted, which is 21% of last year's progress. And let's get a look at some of those commodity numbers. May corn down nine and a quarter at 809. May beans down 29 at 1679 and a quarter. Bean meal, May down 250 a ton at 438. Bean oil, May down 417 at 85. Wheat Chicago, May up six and a quarter at 1050. Kansas City, May down 12 and a half at 1081 and three quarters. That May Minneapolis wheat is down 29 and a quarter at 1161 and a quarter. Live cattle June up 80 at 133.45 feeders. May up 232 at 158.67. And those May lean hogs, they are down a buck 77 at 99.12. While the Dow Jones right now is up slightly, about 46 points. And crude oil is trading about $4 lower at just over $100 a barrel. This is AOA. I'm Richard Ristvet. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. I'd walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Excited to have you joining us today. We are going to be discussing all of the things happening on the policy front with policy editor from Farm Progress Companies, Jackie Fatka. Jackie, thanks for joining us today. Always great talking with you, Mike. You know, let's go first. Let's not go to Washington, D.C. right off the bat. Let's instead go to the capitals of states across the central part of the Corn Belt where governors this last week, Jackie, wrote a letter to President Biden, and they had two requests about biofuels. Can you tell us a little bit about what these governors were asking for? So a group of eight Midwest states are petitioning EPA for a a permanent E15 fix. Uh, We talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, President Biden was in the state of Iowa at an ethanol plant talking about an emergency fuel waiver that they were going to grant for this summer. But these these, uh, eight states represent about half of where the nearly 2,300 E15 pumps are located. And so without some kind of permanent fix, they would not be able to sell E15 in the summer. They'd have to literally put a sticker over those pumps and say that they're not available in the summer. And, and for no reason of um, you know issues with the environment or air quality, it's more of a um, just kind of a nuanced old regulation that they are you know, are, are in, antiquated uh, old, old regulation that they would have to get around. So this, this request from these states is actually asking if they could uh, basically see E15 and E10 volatility the same. So basically that EPA would recognize it as the same. And so this is another avenue that they are trying to 
offer a longer term fix to E15. And, and just kind of a recap too, you know, this was something that these states and, and all the states were able to have E15 over the summer months, the last couple of years, and then a court case actually overturned this. And so this is um, the, the, the governors asked that the, the missions would be recognized um, from E15 as equivalent to E10. Um, and, you know, EPA has said that this is something that they may be able to pursue. Um, I was uh, in a room with EPA Ag Advisor Rod Snyder last week at a meeting I was attending. And, you know, they're very optimistic that this is something that they might be able to work with the states with. And they've been in communication with them even before this letter. So this is not new. And they're actually uh, other in other states could still join in on this and, and kind of making that bubble of where we could see a more permanent E15 kind of expand even further beyond just these eight states in the Midwest. And so if the EPA were to follow through with the governor's requests, Jackie, that would mean E15 would be legal year round, but only in those eight states that sought this from EPA. Is Am I understanding it correctly? Correct. Unless the, and that's, there's also another legislative on the national level that would allow E15. And, and so there's a couple different pathways on this. And I think, you know, as we had this court case that, that basically came back and said that EPA didn't have under their original authority under the Clean Air Act, then that's where we've had these different states. And, and kind of the weird part of this too, a lot of cities, larger cities actually do allow E15 because it is actually better for the air. And so they actually are not included in that. So that's kind of another little side note on this too. And, uh, obviously the bigger cities that have emission issues are using these higher blends. So why shouldn't everybody be able to? So there's a couple different pathways on this and uh, EPA is, is now being formally petitioned. So they would have to re respond to that petition and the paperwork, you know, basically they said, you know, there's not a difference between E10 and E15. And so uh, hopefully that, that they would be able to, to take action on this and, and give some relief and, and allowing a longer term solution for this. All right. Well, we're waiting on the EPA to make a lot of decisions this year. Of course, WOTUS, the Waters of the United States uh, law, is back under discussion at EPA. Of course, there's a general concern with pesticide uh, labeling coming from the EPA. Jackie, you mentioned you heard from Rod Snyder this past week, the EPA Ag Advisor. What else did you learn? Or was the conversation focused on ethanol? Yeah, I was uh, pleased to be able to participate in the North American Ag Journalist uh, event, which I actually helped also plan. And so Rod Snyder, a uh, friend of agriculture for sure, and he is the uh, kind of one inside the the EPA making sure that these issues are heard. And, and really, he said one of his biggest challenges that he's been there is is actually a lot of these pesticide issues. We've had some ongoing concerns with dicamba. Um you know, we've had some issues with Enlist and, um, and and also too, just being able to keep up the uh, the uh, my apologies to keep up the the fact that um, we've got to be able to balance those court cases and being able to give certainty to farmers. And so, uh, you know, he's been challenged a lot with that. And, um, and, you know, they've been able to act quickly, you know, some of these things, uh, you know, I mentioned dicamba, they're not going to make any changes in the in dicamba this year, because he knows that that things are going in the ground. But they did work with Minnesota, they worked with Iowa on trying to maybe adjust those dates and really trying to get more information on the ground level on what's working and what's not. Um, and, and then as we look at kind of further on, I mentioned the Endangered Species Act. In the last couple of weeks, they've tried to put out a work plan on how do we prevent things from getting tied up in the courts and providing some certainty to farmers. And so I think, you know, that's really encouraging to hear him say on behalf of the EPA of, you know, how can we make this workable? You know, there's still going to be challenges. There's still going to be court cases. There's still going to be things that maybe aren't perfect for producers. Um, but, you know, he's really advocating with EPA Administrator Regan about, you know, how can we find solutions? How can we get this out there quickly and, and helping make a difference because especially with some of the supply chain issues this year, you know, we've got to make sure that producers have the tools that they need to take care of stuff. And, and that was definitely something that he's communicated. And obviously WOTUS, another big issue, another big concern with, you know, how this is going to go. And, and he made some great points. You know, I think we're all just kind of waiting for this Sackett case, which is the, uh, case that'll go before the Supreme Court later this year, but that'll be after the first of 
2023, probably before we get an official uh, opinion and ruling from this this Supreme Court. And so, you know, EPA is still working through the comments that they've had on their proposed rule. They've got some stakeholder meetings coming up. And, you know, even though that case focuses a lot on, you know, what will be considered a wetland and how do you determine what a wetland is, we hear a lot about a significant nexus of, you know, what what is a waters of the U.S. But there's a lot of concerns with implementation. And, you know, I've heard some, a lot of meetings even that they've held so far on the challenges that farmers face on working with the Army Corps. And, you know, some of the work that EPA is doing and soliciting some input on is, you know, how can we improve that process? And that has nothing to do with the Supreme Court. So, you know, some of the work that EPA is doing on WOTUS right now, I think everyone gets really scared, like, well, just stop working on anything. But, you know, Steiner made a great point. You know, this is important to make sure that we we still hear, because no matter what happens at the Supreme Court level and at the rule level, you know, there's obviously issues that need to be fixed from an implementation, from being able to understand, offering clarity. So there's there's some great opportunities to continue to provide good insight in, in making good policy that can be implemented at, at all levels, including the farm level. Yeah, I think implementing good policy would be crucial here. This WOTUS has been challenged in the Supreme Court two, now three times with the Sackett case. It's been rewritten around the third consecutive rewrite. Let's do it once and let's do it right there in D.C. this time around. Jackie, I want to ask you, last week there was a lot of conversation in D.C. about the cattle market. We had you on following the, the CEOs of the four largest meat packers testifying before the House Ag Committee. Has that discussion, those two days of hearings on Capitol Hill about the beef market, has it spurned a broader discussion in D.C. about the cattle market? You know, we've been talking about the cattle market a lot. I mean, this is not the first hearing. This was kind of interesting that there were two hearings on both sides of Capitol Hill back to back. Um, Both offered producer voices and differing producer voices. I think one of the main points that I continue to take out of these discussions is there is no consensus. There is still a lot of need to continue to see where things are going. And for those who are in the cattle market, it's a cyclical market, and and we are actually seeing higher prices. Uh, and so, you know, when you start talking about government intervention, we we want to make sure that we don't get too much government intervention that we can't get back out. And so, um, you know, I think, gosh, wouldn't it be great if the Department of Justice could actually release their findings of anti-competitive investigation that they started on the beef industry a couple years ago. I mean, maybe what we really need is not something from a legislative standpoint, but we really could use some more information and whether there really is anti-competitive actions that are going on. And if there is, you know, maybe that really deserves some more attention. And, you know, we're still waiting for this USDA to release what they're maybe going to do on product of USA label. You know, actually we're hearing a little bit more about maybe a return to country of origin labeling, but whether USDA can maybe find a way to make sure that that is voluntary and not mandatory. So we can be able to still abide by the W2O rulings that have been there. And uh, you know, and then uh, there are the cattle contract levy. That is something that has some consensus. And actually, the last uh, appropriations bill that we just approved a couple couple weeks, almost over a month ago now, there is a pilot program that is in that. And so that should be launched by the start of the year. That was a key point of the Senate hearing. They actually had some USDA folks who were giving some insight on where they are at on that process, and hopefully. You know, before we head into the farm bill or as we look again at the livestock mandatory reporting, uh, updating that authority, then maybe this pilot program could offer some insight. And they were in Kansas City getting some insight from stakeholders. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different pieces flying on this. And I think we're still just gathering a lot of that intel. And last week's hearings did that, too. And you mentioned the Farm Bill. Those hearings are getting started. A lot more conversations to be had about the role of agriculture in Washington, D.C. And of course, we'll always turn to Jackie Fatka for that insight. Jackie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. And stick with us, folks. We'll have more AOA when we return after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. 
Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. University trials and grower use proves that adding tough 5EC to the post-tank mix significantly improves the control of resistant weeds such as Palmer amaranth, water hemp, and kochia. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide that synergizes with HPPD inhibitors and enhances atrazine with fast results. Tough 5EC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's Log, Soil Date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Smart stays on the road. That's why it's in your engine. Because you wouldn't settle for subpar performance. Cenex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. These premium oils maintain 80% of their viscosity throughout the drain interval for superior engine performance across extreme temperatures. That horizon looks good with the competition behind you. Cenex Maxtron diesel engine oils. Oil that runs smart. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Farming has gotten so complex, you need another you just to keep up with it all. You'll come close when you work with your FS Crop Specialist. They know your growing conditions and your land, working for you season to season, helping fine-tune decisions to ensure a healthy ROI. And they're constantly in training to learn about the latest in seed selection, crop protection, and nutrient management. Plus, they're achieving certification standards that exceed the industry. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more. FS, bringing you what's next. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. 
diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA here on this Monday, May 2nd. At the start of this program, we were speaking with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing up there in Britain, South Dakota, and Dwayne made a comment as the segment was ending. He said, if the funds want out, the markets will go down. When we're talking about the leverage that these large investment funds, what we call managed money, when we're talking about the classes of investors in the commodity space, when they move, they move in a big way. I was thinking about that comment because a headline just crossed my desk about those very same managed money firms, specifically Goldman Sachs. It was announced Goldman, of course, just wrapped up their first quarter of 2022, and their trading department, Goldman Sachs trading department, saw revenue over $100 million due to trading on 32 different days in the first quarter, roughly every other day, Goldman traders were racking up $100 million in revenue for that bank. I say that just to put into perspective how impactful this money flow around the globe can be to the commodity sector. Of course, these Goldman traders are not just looking at commodities. This is across all of their investment classes. So we've got fixed income, we've got equities, we've got bonds, you've got commodities, you name it, gold, crypto, everything. And what's happening is these traders are moving these massive stockpiles of cash around to whatever looks like it's going to be the best investable opportunity. And for the past six months, commodities have been one of the top locations for that investable cash. And we have seen this managed money flow itself into the commodity markets in a huge way. I bring this up just because I think it's worth keeping in mind as we discuss the players in the commodity space, some of these folks are running with awful big pocketbooks and they can certainly move the market when these big decisions come down. So stay active. I think stay on your toes this year because this kind of volatility almost sustains itself. Big volatile days pull more money as these traders look at volatile markets to invest in, which then leads to more volatile days, of course, until we get a big pattern shift. So we'll continue discussing the broader macro picture because the way that this money moves into commodities is going to be shaped by the way it moves out of potentially equities or bonds or treasuries or you name it. So we'll continue discussing all of those things here on AOA. One of the larger out of agriculture issues that certainly has an impact on our bottom line is energy production. Whether we're drilling for crude oil, whether we're financing the search for fossil fuels or we're producing biofuels, so much of the way we build our energy resources in this country have an impact on the ag commodities. And as we talk about fossil fuels, of course, there is a very loud pushback against continued use of fossil fuels. The UN uh, Council on Climate or whatever issued a statement here about a month and a half ago saying that in order to stop climate change, we must stop drilling for fossil fuels right now. Well, this statement caused activists to get uh, to get a little worked up. And this year, really, for the first time in history, we saw several activist investor groups present shareholder resolutions to banks during their uh, annual meeting season. Shareholders at Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America all had to vote on climate statements this year, and they had to vote on whether or not those banks should quit lending to fossil fuel producing entities. And I think it's worth noting, all three banks aggressively shot down these proposals. Uh, the best proposal, I believe, had about 12% of the vote. The other ones were 7 and 11%. So by far, most of the owners of these, uh, these banks said, nah, we don't want to be a part of this. But the climate activists are thrilled with the response. And even though none of these passed, they're climbing in the discussion. They're being raised at shareholder general meetings. We are going to see a lot more of this type of activism impacting companies, not just in the fossil fuel space. I imagine this is going to spread to any place that could be accused of too many greenhouse gas emissions. And folks, that would certainly include animal agriculture, if you listen to the rhetoric of the activists. And this is not just coming from activists who are private shareholders as well. This is happening 
on the federal level. A group of 16 lawmakers, mainly from the Congressional Progressive Caucus, have sent letters to insurance firms around the country. Notably, they reached out to Berkshire Hathaway, American International, AIG, and Chubb, and they have asked these firms to stop insuring fossil fuel projects. They've said, let's dirty money. We don't want you taking any of it. In fact, the letter quote said, the insurance industry profits from the expansion of fossil fuels while ripping the rug out from under communities most affected by climate change. Now, it's one thing to be a shareholder and to bring something you're passionate about to the board to let the rest of the shareholders decide, hey, is this a direction we want the company to go? It's a little different when a letter encouraging you to stop doing some such thing comes from the folks in Congress. Remember, they've got the 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 monopoly on the rights to use violence. It's they certainly matter. And these letters are going out to insurance firms as of now. As of right now, of course, none of them have responded in a big way. AIG last month did commit to a net zero greenhouse gas emission plan, and they did say they're going to halt their investing in and insuring construction of new coal-fired power plants, thermal coal mines, and oil sands. So there is some progress from the activist side being made having these conversations with large businesses. This intersection between finance, politics, and energy production is going to continue to be discussed for some time. And we hope you stay with us here on AOA as we will continue discussing it in more detail. Before we go real quick, I did want to let you know we had an update from the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. They've warned that inflation could accelerate faster than it is been than it's been feared. Managing Director Kenji Okamura said, quote, the risk is rising that inflation expectations drift away from central bank inflation targets, prompting a more aggressive tightening response from policymakers. And I think that's what we're going to see this week. On Wednesday, the U.S. Federal Reserve Board will announce their May FOMEC meeting, and it is expected we will see interest rates rise by as much as half a percent later on this week. We'll be covering all of those stories this week. I'll be with you from Washington, D.C. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in to AOA today. Be sure to join us tomorrow. We'll talk the impact of USAID food funding and how that's going to impact agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow for AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.